0: or do something a little more epic
1: Barocura.
0: and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble, it's at the wall. And it's a gunner! Welcome
1: to Sports
2: on a Sunday Morning. Oh!
1: America's Sports Voice, KMOX. You know, it was a day that gave me hope. It was a day that was filled with optimism. It was a day that I think brought people together. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking
3: about Indiana football. I was going to say, you're not talking politics. Uh,
1: Well, I will say this. Uh, The one thing that I've always said on the air, and I said it on a Facebook Live that I did with Debbie and... and, um, Ryan Recker on election day is I don't talk about who I vote for mm-hmm. and I try not to talk about my politics on the air, but I, I have always, uh, always rooted for the president to do well. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I voted for presidents who didn't make it. I voted for presidents who did make it into office and I always root for the president. So that's what I'll say is that I root for the country and I hope every time that a new president is elected, that it brings people closer, and I certainly hope the same today. And, I, and I mean, yesterday was, for me, as an Indiana fan, I, I the only fans in our list, and they're Indiana fans in our audience, mm-hmm. but I'm talking directly now to Mizzou fans because they would understand what this is about. And I actually heard from a lot of Mizzou fans yesterday. I grew up a Missouri fan. Mm-hmm. So I experienced some really bad football in the 1980s, Oh, yeah. You know, and this was a team that came out of the 70s pretty good, mm-hmm. and Warren Powers had him going. We're very close, um, always were, with the Powers family. Uh, as as a young kid, I saw some good Mizzou teams when I was a little fella, and then they just went into a hole, and they were really bad. I mean, you know, the 77 nothing stomping by Oklahoma and et cetera. Texas A&M. At Texas A&M. But when Missouri beat Nebraska in 2003, three four. 2004, gosh, I wish I had my numbers right. I know the score was 41-24. I can still see it up on the board. <laughs> um, that was the breakthrough moment. Yeah. And Indiana football has been mediocre to poor, but in the last decade or so, they've been a score, of possession, of this, or that away from maybe winning, maybe beating Michigan, maybe beating Ohio State. Well, Ohio State kind of ran away with a few games, but they were close for a while. <laughs> maybe beating Penn State. Not anymore. And the Indiana beating Penn State in the opener, going up to Rutgers and winning decisively, and then handing Michigan a lopsided defeat. That was not close. It was a dominating win for Indiana. I don't really know totally how to process it, but I think Mizzou fans can help me along here in that I think – that that program is going to be good for a long time as long as they hang on to Tom Allen, the coach at Indiana.
3: And that's going to be one of the keys, obviously. The other key is building on that success. One of the problems Mizzou has had over the years is they might have a good year or two, but they don't build on that success. And so now the key is to take your wins this year, your 3-0 and start, continue going this year, and then convince those 17 and 18-year-old kids that this is where you want to be because we're building something special.
1: On the flip side of that, Michigan has problems. That's not a good Michigan team. They are undisciplined. They lost to Michigan State the week before, and then Michigan State gets throttled by Iowa 49-7. to 7. They have problems in the state of Michigan with college football right now. Yeah, Michigan State yesterday. Michigan State gets crushed. Michigan loses to Indiana, so they have to figure out what's going on with Jim Harbaugh up at Michigan at 1-2. and two, His job is clearly on the line, and it's not going to get any easier for them they have Wisconsin next Uh, they still uh, he hasn't beaten Ohio State they're on the schedule it's it's going to be difficult for Michigan moving forward Big Ten is interesting Ohio State wins over Rutgers Wisconsin still dealing with Mm COVID-19 trying to get themselves back together and going Uh, I don't want to leave anybody out but Northwestern's 3-0 you know they get they get a win too over Nebraska it's, it's a fascinating league. I think you still have to respect Ohio State as far and away the best team in the league. But Indiana making a move into that upper echelon. They're going to be a top-10 team. Wisconsin certainly is a solid team. Penn State lost again. Yes. They're 0-3. It's it's a topsy-turvy kind of season, and we'll see where it goes from here. Number one team in the land is going to be Alabama when the polls come out today. I have no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Clemson will fall, but it won't be the last time they see Notre Dame. They'll probably see him again. But they lost in double overtime to Notre Dame yesterday, 47-40. And Notre Dame looked great. Now, Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence that's going to be a, a different team the next time you see them. But still, they were capable of beating Notre Dame. Notre Dame had a huge challenge on its hands and passed with flying colors. Now, I don't appreciate uh, flooding the field w- during a pandemic. Yeah, not the best idea. No. Uh, but if I'm being completely honest, had this game been open to fans and students in Bloomington mm-hmm. and they beat Michigan, I don't know how you stop the IU students from storming the field either. So, right. It's just a know, matter thing of
3: that, protocol. talking about the Big Ten. I I lived in Illinois for t- over twenty years now, and I I try to become an Illinois fan. I'm I'm always going to be a Mizzou football fan first. But what does Illinois have to do to get? I mean, they've had a lot of COVID wow. this year. I mean, that, that certainly hurts. But no,
1: I I don't want to make excuses program? for them, of course, yeah. but they do have twelve people out with COVID nineteen. They're down to a fourth string quarterback, not just mm-hmm. because of COVID, but because of injuries. Uh, Lovey Smith had it going last year for a while. Had some nice upset wins. But uh, consistency in getting a great team out on the field has been a challenge for him, both uh, in terms of this COVID situation, but also just a consistent offense yeah. you know, and, the, and, the, and defense. And, and then Mizzou
3: beats him out for kids out of East St. Louis, places like that, that you know, you would hope, as, a, as an Illinois fan, you would hope those kids would stay home. A
1: tough situation for Illinois always, I've felt. Basketball, too, mm-hmm. in that they have two very strong recruiting grounds in St. Louis and Chicago, and Indianapolis, for that matter, which is not yeah. far. And these three cities are getting recruited heavily by a number of big programs now. You just saw a St. Louis kid last night running yeah. for Notre Dame. He I got mean, off
3: to a good start.
1: <laughs> you know, he went to Viani, Kyron Williams. Uh huh. You know, he scores the touchdown. You have, uh, you know, Mizzou's recruiting Indianapolis. Yeah. Now they're starting to get into Indy, mm-hmm. and as an IU fan, I'm like, get out of there! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I mean, I'm I'm happy for for um, a lot of these programs, but I want Illinois to be good. Yeah, you know, I, it it makes it better. I want Mizzou to be good. I really do. We're going to talk to Mizzou coach Eli Drinkwitz. He's going to call in in about a minute. And Florida took care of business against Georgia. Florida's the real deal. We'll ask uh, Coach Drink what he thinks about that on the way. John Moselock at 1030. 1045 is Chris May, the athletic director at St. Louis University. It's all next, Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX.
2: From KMOX boys. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah. On America's
1: Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back with you. As I said in the first segment, what a day of college football it was. Not involved in the college football activity yesterday was from the University of Missouri. But Tigers coach Eli Drinkwitz is with us on KMOX this morning. Always great to have you on sports on a Sunday morning. Coach, how'd you like all that yesterday?
4: Man, it was something. I, uh, I had a chance to watch uh, most of the evening games. I spent my afternoon at a swim meet, but... Uh, a lot of good football. A lot, lot, of interesting things going on in college football right now. Good yeah, for the sports.
1: Absolutely good. You ever done any broadcasting? You, no. You'd, you'd be uh, good at it. I mean, I hope that you don't have to do it for years and years <laughs> to come. But uh,
4: you ever? Yeah. If, I, if yeah. I get in broadcasting, that means they're tired of me here at Mizzou. So let's <laughs> stay away from it for a while.
1: Or you could drop in as a guest. You know, Missouri football coach uh, Eli Drinkwitz. Yeah, uh, maybe. I, I, Maybe so. No, I like having you on the show, and I and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you saw. I do want to let people know that you weren't on the show last week, but we made that decision before the game. We made it well before the uh, Florida game, just because of travel and only a one-hour show with us. And as it turned out, uh, it was some uh, incident there at halftime. I know you've talked about this at length, coach, but. Uh, where are you I know you're moving past and everything but what did you learn I guess as a program from that day
4: well I mean I think we we learned that and we've known that actions have consequences you know at some point you got to stand up for yourself and and uh but you know even when you stand up for yourself actions have consequences we're gonna have three players suspended for a half and and, uh, you know, dealt with that, thought the SEC and the, the league commissioner handed out, you know, penalties appropriately. And, and uh, you know, we're moving forward. It, it's an ugly incident. It's not something we want to be involved in moving forward as a university or as a program, and we sure don't plan up, plan to.
1: Eli Drinkwitz is with us, and Florida took care of business against Georgia yesterday. And it looked pretty good doing it. Trask just picked up where he left off. He's thrown now four touchdown passes in five consecutive games. I. I don't care if you're going up against uh nobody. Uh, that's impressive. And he's done it against some very, very good teams. Florida's good, aren't they?
4: Yeah, Florida's a really good football team. You know, I think for us watching that game. I think the frustration of us uh not executing in key situations, turning the ball over. I mean, could easily, you know, obviously ifs and butts or candy and nuts, but we had an opportunity to be in half, you know, at a fourteen or thirteen seven ball game and, and turn it over and give them momentum. So you know we, we, we got to keep from giving the football game, football games away, and, and that's really the focus of this week in our football team and got to continue to play consistent football.
1: you'll be playing Georgia next. What is your impression of Georgia thus far?
4: I mean they're an extremely talented football team. They've got uh, length and size in just about every position they can really run. I think they were you know they were dealing with a, a lot of guys being out uh, in that game. I think it showed up. Um, but they still were able to get, you know, 27, 28 points there. And, and uh, you know, it's going to be an extremely difficult challenge. They'll, I'm sure they'll be, still be ranked in the top 15 uh, coming in here. And so uh, – you know, we're going to have our hands full, that's for sure.
1: Georgia loses to Florida yesterday by a final of 44-28. Gators are 4-1. and one. They end a three-game losing streak in that game against Georgia, the cocktail party. You ended a five-game losing streak to Kentucky. You beat the national champion, LSU. Uh, you got involved in that Florida game. You've uh, you've had some ups and downs with COVID with uh, a change at quarterback. At- I mean, what a five games it's been for the Missouri football program? I guess it's life in the SEC, life in this business.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of life in the situation that we're in with, with, with uh, COVID and not having spring and not having an opportunity to kind of establish uh, yourself and what the program is that you're trying to accomplish. And so, you know, we're making up for, for lost time there. Um, but feel, feel good about, you know, we're at, we're at the halfway mark of our season we've got five games left and we've got an opportunity to, to really put our stamp on this season and, and put our stamp on the foundation for the program moving forward. And that's kind of the, the, the staff's mindset, and our players mindset.
1: I know you touched on this a little bit in the Florida discussion, but what do you like uh, about your offense and, and what are, what's the biggest thing you need to work on?
4: Well, I mean, I like it when we're healthy, um, because then we can establish a run. We've got a quarterback who can throw the football, um, you know, and we're able to do all the different things that good offenses do, which is run the ball and take vertical shots. Um, you know, right now I think our biggest struggle is inconsistency, and whether that's because of lineup changes or drop passes or or um, you know not being able to stay on the field on third down, we've got too many inconsistencies, and and that's really the thing that we got to improve. You know, it, it's one thing to get beat; it's another thing to to uh, you know drop the football or miss blocks or not know your assignments. And so for us, that's, that's really what we got to do better moving forward.
1: And defensively, you have a team that well, we know they can show up and, and make plays. I mean, the goal line stand against LSU is one for the ages. But, again, consistency there is something that you're looking for is you had, uh, gosh, I mean, the Tennessee game, who knows, right? I mean, if you're able to, to make some of those stops.
4: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the ups and downs, the the inconsistencies, bust coverage. I mean, that's that's the name of the program right now is just inconsistent. And, and we got to find a way to continue to play consistent football that doesn't have, um, you know, the, the issues that we're struggling with.
1: And then finally, just looking around uh, football last night, what were some of the games you had your eye on other than Florida-Georgia? i got to imagine Clemson-Notre Dame. <laughs> that was... Yeah, was you know, contest.
4: I, I, I try to watch all the games of people that we're going to play in the future. So I watched the, uh, A and M South Carolina game. I watched the Tennessee Arkansas game. And then when those games kind of were secured, then I flipped over and watched the rest of the Clemson, uh, Notre Dame game. So good football all around. Uh, you know, this league is extremely difficult and tough and, and, uh, it's only going to get tougher the last five games.
1: I would love to watch games at your football complex. I gotta think you have a couple of rooms there where you could I, I'm I'm gonna guess you because you talked about going to a swim meet, you're probably doing that at home, but it'd be kind of fun to watch a lot of games at one time in one of your war rooms. Let's oh say.
4: yeah. Yeah, they uh this Southeast end zone facility is extremely nice and uh it's a great recruiting tool and, and it's state of the art and there's there's a lot of different TVs here and so there's a lot of different opportunities to watch multiple games, which makes it a lot of fun.
1: And finally, recruiting, uh, just I know you can't really talk. uh, There there are some regulations on what you can say and can't say, but just in general, how's recruiting going for you uh, during this pandemic? I know that it's different.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's going as good as I think you can possibly do. in in this situation, we still have about uh, eight spots left to go that we got to fill. And You know, I think the the toughest thing is trying to figure out exactly what your roster is going to look like next year with some of the players deciding whether or not they want to go pro or whether or not they're going to come back and how do you fill in those holes. But uh, our staff's done a really good job of maintaining relationships, identifying top targets, and then zoning in on those. And and we still got our eyes on quite a few people.
1: Well, we'll keep our eye on it as always. It's always great to talk to you. Uh, Have a great rest of your Sunday. and We'll catch up with you after you take on Georgia. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. There is M-I-Z. There's the head coach of the Missouri Tigers, Eli Drinkwitz, on Sports on a Sunday morning. Coming up next is John Mosello, Cardinals president of baseball operations, will be with us. It's 1026. We have the Chiefs and Carolina at 11 o'clock. SLU fans don't go anywhere. Chris May is going to talk to us about the program at 1045, the athletic director at St. Louis University. It's all next on KMOX.
2: From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice,
1: KMOX. Chiefs and Panthers coming up at 11 o'clock at the pregame, 1045. Just before that, Slew Athletic Director Chris May. Thanks to Mizzou coach Eli Drinkwitz for joining us last segment. And now joining us live is the president of baseball operations for the St. Louis Cardinals. John Moselock is with us. Good morning, Mo. How are you? Doing well, Tom, and you? I'm doing great. It's great to talk to you as always, and uh, you know, I'm, I just, I'm feeling good about uh, my Indiana Hoosiers beating Michigan. It was nice to, to, <laughs> <laughs> to feel some uh, relief from sports. I was walking down the street, uh, walking the dogs, and some guy saw my Indiana shirt and said, "Hey, man, you want a beer?" I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. That's my lucky day. <laughs> sure. <laughs> now I got two dogs and a Bud Light. That's uh sounds great. It was just one of those days. Woke up this morning, felt good, and uh missed that feeling with the Cardinals, of course. But you know what I was thinking also? Uh that every team in baseball is drawing up a plan and is competing to get back to what the Los Angeles Dodgers were able, were able to get to get that championship. And even for them, that's the first time since 1988. It just uh, It's a reminder of how hard this is, how hard it is to win and how much you miss it when you finally get it.
5: Well, it's certainly not easy. And uh, I think this offseason is going to have its own set of uh, challenges that, that most of us are, are not normally uh, dealing with. And what I mean by that is the pandemic and then uncertainty of, of really what 2021 is going to look like. So um, yeah, there's a lot of excitement around uh, the offices in terms of, of what we may or may not be able to do, but there's also those, those question marks on, on what's it really going to look like and will we be playing a full schedule, will we be starting on time and, and so trying to, to navigate that as well as is trying to think about your club is, is really sort of what keeps you up at night at this point. And so um, certainly want to take a deep breath, um, understanding that you know this was a, a very unique year we just closed off on and uh, really trying to plan for next year as best we can, given all the different uh, nuances that could be different.
1: Uh, of course, I'm going to ask, have you heard anything that gives you encouragement that those announcements, those rule changes, et cetera, could be a little closer, could be around the corner, or do we just not know?
5: Uh, I would say no at this point. I think right now we had like a modified GM meeting this past week, um, which was all virtual. And then I think really what they're going to end up doing is, you know, talking with the general managers, talking with team presidents, talking with owners, and then really try to solidify, sort of what next year may or may not look like um, in detail. But, you know, even that's hard to do because there's still a lot of question marks that need to be answered. So, um, you know, my hope is, is that we have, have some form of a GPS um, sooner rather than later. But when you ask when, I, I mean, I, I think everybody's got to realize this off season, like all sports is going to have a different pace than, than maybe what we're used to and so you know ultimately it's just going to require some patience and you know we'll, we'll all learn when we learn but from a planning standpoint you know we can run a handful of different modeling
1: these teams are all in the same boat but uh, but teams are also different teams have different models different budgets uh, different uh, market size different revenue streams uh etc so it's it's interesting and and it'll be fascinating to see how it all develops and i know it's a a busy time to prepare for that. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about what we saw over the last week and what we do know. One thing we do know is that Tyler O'Neill has won the Gold Glove. Uh, we talked about this last week, that he was very high in advanced metrics. We know that Rawlings used Sabre this time exclusively, the Sabre Index, to select that. And he's the first left fielder in Cardinals history to win the Gold Glove, John Mozeliak, That's pretty impressive.
5: Yeah, I wasn't really surprised because once you won the, the fielding Bible one, I thought, you know, if if you're going strictly by metrics, there's a really good high probability that, that Tyler would get it. So, you know, that is exciting, um, certainly well-deserved. And, you know, I think it, it just shows you, you know, the depth of that outfield in, in terms of, of, you know, really how good they could be. Now, you know, the big deal is going to be like, can we put up enough runs? Can they produce? And, and so – You know, this is going to be a focus on offense. But, um, you know, you look at having Bader and and O'Neal out there, it's like having two center fielders. So, I mean, I I definitely think that was one of uh, our strengths, and uh, hopefully it's something that we can continue to build on.
1: I talked to Tyler O'Neill about the award. I also talked to him about his offense, and I wanted you to hear this. This is what he said uh, when I asked him uh, about his takeaway from 2020.
2: I feel like I understand myself. my my body, my positioning, and how I'm going to be attacked a lot better going into 21 than I did last year. And, uh, you know, just being able to go through a learning curve like that was very beneficial for me, you know, on all aspects, from having to struggle severely in the big leagues hitting and then being able to improve on my defense the way I have over the last couple years.
1: Definitely has done that. But that backs up what you said, that you really believe that he's shown signs of improvement. Mike Schultz has said, along those same lines, John, that Tyler O'Neal, I mean, I think, you know, he's not, uh, maybe people expect that he's just going to walk in and hit 40 home runs. I mean, it's just, that's hard to do in the big leagues against this kind of pitching.
5: Well, I think the biggest thing for him too is, is when we had that initial layoff back in, in mid-March, I don't think he had the the, the the resources or the ability or access, I really should say to, to train like he normally does. And I do think, he was someone that that when he did show back up to camp, it wasn't that he was out of shape or anything like that, but I don't think he was quite as strong as he would have been had we just broken camp normal. And so I think like using this time this this offseason, I think will help him because he is a guy that that when you look at at what is his great skill, his great skill is he hits the ball hard. And you know, this past year he wasn't hitting the ball as hard. And so I think there was a little trade-off with strikeouts and power. And I think that's something that, you know, Jeff Albert and others want to see him get back to, you know, focusing on 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 hitting his pitch, meaning like staying within the strike zone, but going back to that, that really hard approach.
1: And then your other outfielder is Dexter Fowler, out and right. And I had him recently on the Garage Happy Hour. And one thing that he told me was when he was down with the He was taking the medication, but he couldn't play because of the COVID protocol and and what that might have meant to him, to his uh, immune system. Uh, He said, you know, one of the hard things was he really didn't have anywhere to a a lot of ability to rehab and train, you know, while things were down. He had certain protocols that he had to follow. It was just a strange year overall from from that standpoint. Up until then, Dex.
5: In his particular case, he he could not expose himself to getting COVID. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like obviously we couldn't have him just running around the ballpark or, or having access to cages. So yeah, that, that's, these, these are the difficult things that we've all learned and, and, you know, have a better understanding of moving forward. But, you know, clearly trying to replicate what a normal baseball season looks like for some of these people was very challenging.
1: He was having a pretty decent year up until then, and uh, I wish the best for him. He's a good man. Uh, okay, so uh, Colton Wong made some comments to Derek Gould in the post-dispatch, said that I would leave the door open to conversation. Uh, I'm not closing that door. I wouldn't mind talking a, a little bit more. I, you and I have had a policy on this show about not talking about free agents, but are you able to comment on where you are with Colton Wong and, for that matter, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright?
5: Uh, Policy still holds true. We don't talk about free agents, but I would say that, you know, no doors are closed.
1: Got it. I appreciate that. Uh, As we move forward, final thing here, as we move forward here in this offseason, what uh, do you see in terms of, this is a tough question to answer, but in terms of fans, revenue streams, is all of that still very much an unknown? I'm probably going to check back with you. This is way early now. It's November 8th. But that's a big factor, isn't it? In terms of what you can and can't do, where where the money is going to come from.
5: Well, obviously, you know, we do believe that there's going to be an adverse effect on on revenue in 2021. The question is, is really how much? And that's that's a question I don't think any of us know the answer to. So what I've tried to, to portray and, and, and uh, continue to do so, if, I, if I'm not saying it right, but I think there has to be some level of patience. In other words, the normal pace of offseason is, is, might not be what we're used to seeing. And it's not just the Cardinals. I think it could be a lot of teams. And, and part of that is just because of that uncertainty. Um, you know, in the past, we would have just gotten back home from the GM meetings. We probably would have had a small list of, of trade opportunities that we would have started to dive into and focus on. Um, of course, none of those conversations have even begun, and so you know we'll be at this at a, at a different level. But you know, once you sort of understand when you're going to start and what that looks like, the pace of the offseason may pick up, and and so. You know, it's not to say we're not going to be exploring things or, or making phone calls or trying to communicate with people, but I still think the pace of the offseason is going to look a little different than, than normal.
1: Yeah, I got you. And I always appreciate the conversation, as always. Thanks for making yourself available. Have a great rest of your day, and we will catch up with you soon.
5: Sounds good. Thanks, Tom.
1: There is. Thank you. There is the president of baseball operations, John Moselock of the Cardinals. We'll take a break. Chris May, SLU Athletic Director. I wonder about fans there. I mean, Are they going to be able to have fans inside Chaffetz Arena? There has been some discussion. This is a, a difficult subject, a difficult one to answer sometimes. We'll hear from Chris May, the AD at SLU, after this on KMOX.
2: From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh! America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
1: Sports on a Sunday morning continues. The Chiefs coming up at 11 o'clock with the pregame. That means we get 10 minutes to finish this hour with my friend, the athletic director at St. Louis University, Chris May. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. How you doing, Big Tom? I'm doing great. You know, I'm doing great. After uh, gosh, I feel like I've started every segment except I didn't talk to wits about it, James. Did I about the Hoosiers? You know, I feel good about the Hoosiers, right?
6: Well, Tom, it's good you went to
1: a football school. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Is this what it's like? Is this what it is? This what it feels like to have good football? You were at Colorado. Colorado was well. They've had their ups and downs, but I mean, you went to you were you were at a football school for a while.
6: Well, we uh, won a national championship, so, yeah, that wasn't too bad. But, uh, you know, it uh, we're, we don't worry about football around here. We're fired up about basketball. Yes, and, you are. Uh, Travis Ford, the guys are in the gym right now and uh, getting ready for an exciting
1: season. Yeah, I gave Travis uh, the week off so he could hold practice, and I have uh, the boss on the line. I, uh, what a great uh, person to jump in for Coach Ford. Uh, Chris, I told Travis that I think it's the best basketball team that I've seen at SLU since I've been covering them for, I don't know, 23, 24 years. That comes with high expectations, but I believe that they are up for it. This is a group that chose to come back, a lot of these players. There's something special going on. What do you think that
3: it is?
6: Well, Tom, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, I was listening to you uh, early in the hour, Talk about how you build programs and teams, and you got to do it year after year, right? Mm-hmm. And what I'm super fired up about is these guys all stayed intact. Everybody's back, um, and they, they've had a great offseason, even though in a challenging times, and they're fired up about it. I mean, led by Jordan Goodwin. I mean, you and I have talked about it when we first talked to Travis. The, the first very interview we had with Travis, he was talking about Jordan Goodwin. And uh, Jordan, coming from Altoc, has really done a really done a nice job. He's on the Jerry West, you know, list. He uh, averaged double doubles last year. He's in the best shape of his life. You got Hassan French, another senior, on the Carl Malone watch list. Had all those double doubles, you know, leads the, leads the league in rebounding. One of the top power forwards in the country. You got Javante Perkins, just from down the street in Miller Career Academy. Wow, well, I kid, like him. Wow. Averaged 18 and a half a game in the A-10. Um, so he's really done great. And, but don't forget Uri Collins. Mm-hmm. Uri Collins is a freshman, led all freshmen in the country in assists. I don't know many people realize. He led the country for freshmen in assists. You know, so he had a great breakout year to start. And then T.J. Hargrove's put on about 17 pounds. T.J. from East St. Louis is doing great. So you you look top to bottom, and uh, I'm really, really encouraged by, uh, by those pieces, some of the new pieces that are here. But it's a group that I think to win championships, to have great college sports teams, whether it's football, basketball, whatever it is, you've got to have a heartbeat. You've got to have a culture that everybody's bought into every step of the way, and right now, that's exactly what we have with the Billiken basketball team. Those kids are walking in unison. They like spending time with each other. They are fired up when, to get on the court. And uh, so it's, it's a really exciting time to be around a bunch of young people who are uh, who the arrows up and they're all focused in one direction.
1: I feel like in every sport, if you're going to win a championship in this pandemic... It takes mental toughness. It takes togetherness. It's unlike anything we've ever been through, and you must have guidance from your coach, but you respect these players, too, or going through something that they've never gone through. These They're trying to balance uh, a daily life along with this on campus, Chris.
6: You, you uh, could not be more right, Tom. Uh, the discipline it takes to take care of business every day. Girl in being a college kid, right? Mm-hmm. College kids, 18 to 22-year-olds, all going through their journey. But, uh, you know, you got to have a great trigger person in Travis Ford who um, sets a great tone, and, a, and he's got so much passion. I was with uh, a longtime uh, donor on Friday, and, he, and a couple guys, and they were talking about, well, we remember Travis when he played. Well, he coaches the same way. He is a fierce competitor. He uh, works his tail off. He's the one person that it's hard to beat. He and I have a contest every once in a while. Who can be in here longer? Um, But uh, he works his tail off. He is so fired up about the Billikens and about St. Louis and what what this community really means and what we can do in this community. That's what we're all really encouraged about. And uh, we believe we've got a shot not only this year, but we've got a shot for quite a while now with the pieces that are in place to make a real run in college basketball.
1: You are St. Louis's basketball team. I mean, you are. And you're, you're the centerpiece of uh, a, a really revitalized area of the city and Grand Center and the surrounding area with all the arts and restaurants in St. Louis University. I look down west here. If I turn around here in the studio, I'm looking west down Pine and west down Olive. And if I just took a little walk down there, I'd run right into your campus. It is. Uh, do you feel like you can... How can you continue to make a difference as a university, as an athletic department here in this community and help? It just, there's a feeling that once this does get lifted, St. Louis is about to make a huge comeback.
6: Well, I think you're right, Tom. I think that's what's going on right now. I think, uh, you know, we, we're we blessed, uh, led by led by Dr. Costello, who's done such a great job during this pandemic phase to get this, our university is really, uh, done a nice job of getting through it. As I look out, I'm in the office, I look out the window and you've got a $500-plus 1000000 uh, hospital that's rocking and rolling. You, there's just so many positives. You, you, I look down towards you and we, we've got a soccer stadium going in. There's so many pieces that we are so honored and you know, privileged to be here at SLU right in the heart of it. And we, we, take that, we take that very seriously. We believe that we as an athletic program can help the university and help our community really uh, as, it, as it goes through this resurgence. And um, what I'm encouraged about is we got programs, whether it's Travis and the men's team, Lisa and the women's team, will be picked in the top couple when the, when the picks come out in the next couple of days. Her program's led by a bunch of local kids. Brooke Flowers from Metro. You've got Jordan Hughes, an MICDS kid. You've got Jada Stewart from Kirkwood. you got the freshman of the year, Rachel Kent, back from Chicago. You've got that program. You've got Kevin Kalish's program, the men's soccer team, who has – we have our most talented men's soccer team in 10 years right now. And uh, we just got to get them out on the field. you got Katie Shields, who, as you know, back-to-back A-10 champions um, with a bunch of great local – local athletes uh, from, from St. Louis. And so uh, it's a real honor to be able to be part of this and to put these local students in position to win as Billikens. And, uh, and, and needless say, I even forgot, uh, you know, our baseball team, Darren Henderson, as you know, I mean, shoot, we've won more A-10 championships than anybody in the last 10 years because what he's been able to do and really through local, you know, Jake Garella is a big-time senior from, uh, from Edwardsville. So you go on and on, and all of these programs are kind of starting to get built by local kids. And we take that homegrown message very seriously, and we're very proud of it.
1: You know, you just mentioned a lot of areas of St. Louis, too. It just all goes into that regionalism. You have from Edwardsville to Wentzville and all places in between. There's a, there's a lot, and you can play a big part in all of that. Um, Chaffetz Arena is one of the great venues in college basketball, but in, it's, it's a multi-use venue. You can do a lot with it. Uh, what yes. is the latest that you know uh, in terms of whether you can have people in the building? How do we get there?
6: Well, we're uh, we're working with the city. We're not there yet. Um, we're working with the city, um, and uh, Dr. Eccles and the people at the city have been really great partners. Um, they've been great partners at the university as we've gone through this, uh, you know, the COVID uh, semester here. They've been wonderful partners, but we're, we're going to have some more meetings this coming week to really look at where are the numbers in the city. Um, we've had great uh, response from our plan, so when the city... Uh, numbers are such that we're able to execute and get, get into the game with fans in the stands, but uh, we've, got to, we've got to go through another week or two and find, and follow what's going on in our city and our region and to get the approval. We've got to get approval through the city to, actually, to have fans in the stands, so we're preparing for every option, Tom. We're preparing for no fans to a small number to medium size and growing. Uh, my hope is that we can Get in the game, slow, do it safe, safely, and grow it. Uh, so by uh, you know by by January, February, when this thing is really rolling, this basketball season, uh, we're hoping as many Billikens can really be there to, to watch it. But it's got to be safe. And as you know, we're in unprecedented times, and uh, our first our first goal is really how do we protect this group of student athletes and coaches, and how do we make sure they're in a safe environment, and then. How do we allow, um, you know, the faithful to get in in a safe way? And so we're working through that right now. We'll probably have more answers in the next week. But uh, there's a lot of moving parts in college basketball, as you well know, right now. And so we just uh, get in here every morning and roll our sleeves up and keep, uh, keep planning to support these kids. Because what I am sure of is come, uh, come tournament time, we've got a team that uh, has a shot. And so that's what really encourages all of us.
1: I don't think there's any doubt. And with that tough schedule you're going to play, they will be tested as well. It's going to be fun. Chris May, we appreciate the visit very much. Have a great day. If I was uh, if I was uh, up a few more levels in this building, I'd wave to you. Come,
6: get over here. We'll talk to you. <laughs> all right, buddy. Have a good one. Thanks, See
1: man. You. See you. Good man, Chris May. It's KMOX St. Louis. The Chiefs are next.